No, I don't yeah, think so. I bet so. you know that I did a song from 1993. Yeah, I'm assuming. That's that was the year true. you were born. Yes. So a quick cursory search reveals that Sting's Fields of Gold came out that year. I don't know that I whistled it that way. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was that like the... That didn't ring a bell? I mean, like, okay, I would, you know I would not have, yeah, recognized okay, it just sorry. by whistling. I can't be crisp in my whistling notes. No, you're, you're doing 1993. Great. I'm 12 years older than you. You're 27? Yes, I'm 27 years old. When's your old. birthday? October 3rd. That's when you'll be 28? That's when I'll be 28. Your 30s are leaving you behind. Or your 20s, I mean. <laughs> I know. Enjoy it. Quickly rolling through them. you'll be almost them. 40. <laughs> well, everybody, I'm so excited because guess who I'm here with today? Can you guess? I, I can guess. guess. Do you think they us. can guess? Yes. Now they can. It's Brie. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Bree is pinch hitting for Taylor, and those are big shoes to fill, but I'm confident that Bree could do it. They really are. Bree, thanks for being here. I guess this is ceremonious in a number of ways because your time in Waco, at UBC, at Baylor, all things are coming to a conclusion. And so what better way to say goodbye in one way, because we'll tell you goodbye at church some point, but yes. um, then on the podcast, as my co-host for today. I'm so excited. It's a great, great honor. And as you were saying that, I already started to tear up, but I'm going to just suck well, those tears back in. Yeah, just suck them in. <laughs> we can save that for Sunday, as the preacher yeah, says. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Brie, guess what? Um, guess what happened on the news this week? What? I found out, and I'm learning to be a big fan but the Dear Evan Hansen oh, yes. is coming to, what, theaters? Or is this going to be a straight release, do you know? or I bet I bet it will come to theaters because I think it's still got some time before it's released. So I think it will come, come to theaters. Speaking of theaters, guess what I did for the first time in like almost two years? Did you go to the theater? I went to a theater. So it was Friday night. I was feeling... It was like actually Friday afternoon. I just picked up the kids from school and I was feeling like I need some, I need that seven energy. I need okay. a spontaneous adventure. Mm-hmm. So Lindsay had to get foster kids. So this doesn't include her. But I asked the four biological kids like, hey, I found a PG movie. We're going to go. What did you see? And um, Wendell, <laughs> Mabel, and Lillian came. Saw a movie called Finding You. Oh, yeah. So the the reason, <laughs> honestly, it's, I like rom-coms. Yes. As but do I. more than that, it was filmed in Ireland. And mm. I don't know if you remember a, a movie called Leap Year. Yes. I was really taken with Leap Year just Loved because Leap of the, the footage. Mm-hmm. And I thought, even if this movie's terrible, I'm going to go to a theater. I'll get matinee prices. I'm going to have right. an experience. I'm going to take my kids. So here's what the payoff was. Okay. You know how you could rent the theater by yourself? Yeah. Um, well, I was not going to pay for that because it was going to be like 20 bucks for all the tickets. But then I bet it was basically just y'all anyway. Nobody was in there. Yeah. So my kids thought I'd rented the theater for just us. <laughs> Did you tell them? Well, I just, you know how threes are let people frame stuff yes, in yes. deceit? Uh-huh. I was glad to let them think I'd rented it, especially yes, Wendell and Mabel. And they said they liked the movie. They were mildly interested. Of course, it was safe. There was nothing they couldn't see in it. Right. But um, they, more than that, loved the fact that they could change seats every 10 minutes. <laughs> and, were, and then that they could run up and down the stairs yes, during the thing and talk. that's so fun. Lily liked it. I think she's old enough to like the rom-com. Yeah. I'll give... I, I do want to go see it. I'll give Finding You a 2.3 out of 5 stars. Okay, okay, because, um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think had I not loved Ireland, the scenery, I would have felt like the acting in <laughs> sure. Dory was pretty flat. But it was worth it. Yeah, I yeah. Was, I was predisposed for a good time just because of desperation. Exactly. That's kind of how I feel. I still have not been back to a theater. I was about to ask if you've been to one. I haven't, and I feel like I'm waiting for some like movie that I'm dying to see to go back for. But I, I do really want to see Cruella. So that might be the well, movie that I, I go back to the Well, that's the other thing for. is it, when, when you, like, I didn't know which albums were nominated this year in the Grammys. I didn't know what movie, because I didn't yeah, see anything. I right. didn't pay attention. So I saw Cruella as a movie with Amy, no, 
what's her name? Emma Stone. Emma Stone. She'd be great. And Emma um, Thompson's in it too. Oh, she is? Yes. Well, look at that. I must have subconsciously known something. Yes. Because um, there was a Glenn Close... I guess that was 101 Dalmatians. Yes. Oh my gosh. I loved that. Is this movie. just about, is this like her backstory? Like yes, Joker or something? It's origin Cruella. Oh, I bet that is interesting. Yeah. I really want to go see it. Have you seen a trailer? Yes. Huh. Yeah. It looks good. Yeah. Origin movies, I think are interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It looks like Emma Thompson was like the mean boss that turned Cruella into Cruella. Is kind of what it looks like. But I'm excited to see. Is this Disney that's doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they probably own the rights. Yeah, for sure. Well, there you go. So yeah, that might be the one that I return to theaters Well, you know for. what I was going to rent the theater for is um, King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh, yeah? But then it was on HBO for free. Right. So I'm like, well, I'm just on my couch and it's already <laughs> 7 o'clock. Why not just stay here? Right. And that's how I've felt about most of the Disney movies so far. Like you've been able to just, they've come to Disney Plus too. Yeah. But Have I you think... seen Real Life Milan? Yes. Is it good? It was very good. Because I'll say this. I liked real life movies. I've never seen the Cinderella one. But oh, I have they, they seen... They did a great job with that one. I have seen real life... Um, the one I didn't care for was Lion King. Okay. And it was just so on the nose. Okay, It was sure. like literally scene for scene. Right. It's like they used the cartoon as a, a script player, whatever right. you call those, or a frame by frame. Um, yeah, Mulan there... was definitely not that at all. Okay. Well, maybe we'll have to see it. It was very much... Because there was a lot of criticism when the cartoon came out that it was just kind of like not actually true to the Mulan story um, Wait, is this in China. Ex- there's an existing story? Yes. Yeah. Mulan is kind of like a um, very popular, I don't know if it's just a story, but like a very popular story in like Chinese culture. Well, there you go. And so with the cartoon, obviously they made it very Disney-fied, is but it, the live one is very true to the, the Chinese culture. The, okay. Well, here's my question then. Assuming that's the case, is it as feminist as it seems? Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of, and it's a big story there. Yes. That's interesting. Yes. Cool. We love that. I love that. <laughs> well, I need to put that on the docket. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I've seen The Jungle Book, The Lion oh, King. Oh, yeah. I always forget that they already did like, the I live saw, action Jungle Book. Oh, Beauty and the Beast with Emma, mm-hmm. what's her name? Emma Watson. That was great. So good. Ugh, loved that one. What else did they do? Hmm. What else have they done? Yeah, Cinderella was like the first live action Yeah, I remember live that. Action. I didn't know that was going to be a string line. of things, but... Uh, well, I, I'm going to see a, a They did a live-action Dumbo. Never saw that Oh, one. I saw that. It looked a little too creepy for me. It Did they have a Tim Burton-esque feel? It, Probably. Was, it was Tim Burton. Oh, was it? Yeah. Well, and he did um, Big Fish, which is one of my favorite movies ever. Oh, okay. And there's a circus montage in there. Yeah. And that's all the same fingerprints. Okay, that makes sense. But I thought he did a good job. He didn't make it so Johnny... You know, usually it's Johnny Depp and Helen Bonham Carter. It's yeah. very dark. It's, yeah, exactly. It wasn't that. It was Disney still. Okay. Yeah. I, may, I may check I don't it know. out eventually. It, it was, my favorite of the bunch has been Beauty and the Beast, I think. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it was so beautiful. And I loved the new original songs and the new Beauty and the Beast, too. They did Aladdin. That was great, too. Oh, yeah. I feel like I it like got that. a lot of criticism, but I really enjoyed I liked it. it. I liked it. I thought Will Smith did a good job for mm-hmm. being not a great singer. Mm-hmm. That yes. was a good one, too. <laughs> well, um, back to Evan Hansen. Oh, yes. That's right. <laughs> I think um, I need to... I, what do you think I should... I like try and get the musical in some form first or should i just go see the movie when i can so have you listened to any of it no hmm. i'm not i don't go to those things for the songs though okay yeah that makes sense i'm not gonna get into i want the spectacle i feel like but that I story would wait really then. Compelling. yes okay so you already know the story well from the trailer oh that's right i guess the trailer because like whenever the first time i like was exposed to your evan hansen I just listened to the music all the way through, but uh-huh. I didn't necessarily like really know the story before. And then you heard the story and the music came alive? Yes, exactly. Huh. I bet. 
That's like, I still don't know any of the Hamilton songs. I know. So, whatever. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. <laughs> All right. I'm going to skip this one because I figured I had Wise Shrek in the news, but I found the article that... 20 years. What? 20 years. Is that what it is? It's 20th anniversary of Shrek. Did you love it? I love I Shrek like, when I saw it. Yeah. Well, I feel like as a child, I wasn't as big I of a fan. because you were what? Eight, seven? Eight. Yeah, or, yeah, or, I would have been like seven years old, and I feel like it wasn't. Theater? You know, obviously, it wasn't like as Disney as I would, as I loved as a child, because it's not Disney. Obviously, it was like the. I think it was animators that broke off from Disney. I think is what it was. DreamWorks created DreamWorks, and Shrek was like their first one. Well, if there I was a that biting article. I don't know what it was. I tweeted about it, but oh. that is why I discovered it, because all the hoopla about. Um, the article that critiqued Shrek. I love Shrek. Oh, it critiqued was, Shrek? Yeah. So I saw it I in, must that. have been 01. Mm-hmm. So I would have been like summer between freshman and junior of college. Okay. And I remember it was high school friends and the ones like, yeah, I saw it. Let's go. It's like smart humor. And then I right. think it was very early in the smart humor category. Yes. Yeah. Now I totally appreciate it and love it. But like as a child, I was like, this isn't. Yeah typical Disney well, things. Well, so. Toy Story came out in 95 and there were mm-hmm. nods in there. Yeah. So Pixar kind of got the, but like Shrek was full on adult humor. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. It's a good one. It's a good um, one. Bree. Yes. Um, <laughs> I have a question that's social work related. It's a little more serious. Do you have more pop culture things? Let's see. I have like a whole list. Because I have but three things But it's all like very random things. I have some serious news things that I want to discuss. Let's and do the, um, I bet fun, some of the same. fun music things. Let's do the fun stuff first. Okay. Uh, my music rec. Okay. Olivia Rodrigo's Sour album. Okay. Is, can, <laughs> put her, you're telling me I should listen to this person? I mean, this is just for anyone and everyone listening. What's, uh, what's her genre? Okay. So what what is her genre? Because she is a Disney star. But she's like immediately broken into being an edgy artist of her own. It's strange to me how many people make their careers that way. Right. But I feel like Kimberlake, she... Ariana Grande. Yes. All these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of people start with like Nickelodeon, Disney, and then can like break into... I feel like I missed my opportunity. That's how I feel often as well. Okay. So <laughs> let me... What's her name? Olivia Rodrigo. Olivia Rodrigo. Yes. So she is on High School Musical, the musical, the series. That's on Disney+. Plus. Okay. I think Lillian watches that. Yes. I've okay. heard great things about it. I still haven't watched it. Okay. But I don't know if Taylor's already given all this backstory about no, her. No, nothing. Okay. So her and um, the other, her like lead opposite, they're like the love interest of the show. Mm-hmm. They dated in real life. Okay. And then he left her for this other famous girl, Sabrina Carpenter. Okay. The Teenage Witch or something. Sabrina Carpenter. Yeah, okay. different. But this is still real life. This is real life. Okay. Um, obviously, she was very upset about all of this. And so she wrote Driver's License about that. And that was like her first single from this album that came out. I mean, it's been like a couple of months now, at least. Now, is she a bigger deal than this Lizzo? Oh, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that's the only other singer I know that's. Okay. I wouldn't really compare Olivia Rodrigo. Is she and more Lizzo. in the Ariana Grande category? Sure. I mean, she's more like pop. Kind of like an edgy pop rock like, vibe, um, but like very teenager. Gwen Stefani? <laughs> Maybe Gwen Stefani when she was like, no doubt. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. I just have <laughs> a lot of cultural handles besides Grande. I'm trying to think who else. I mean, she you has a very Avril Lavigne feel is what she has. I don't. I mean, do you know an Avril Lavigne song that's famous? Hey, hey, you, you, I don't like your girlfriend. These, I think, yeah, I don't know how to help. Other than that. Okay. Pink? 
I know so a few pink. Sure, she's kind of like a young pink feel yeah. in some okay. ways. Okay, so you got a pink star coming a up. A very teenager. But you're recommending Squeeze. Sour. Sour. <laughs> Sorry, lemon yeah. was in my head. Yeah, okay, yes. Yes, her new album came out on Friday. And she's already had like three singles. And you've listened to it and like, yes. Yes. Right. I mean, it's... Are you a Lizzo fan? Oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. Are you a Gwen Stefani fan? Yeah, sure. Avril Lavigne? Uh, yeah. I love I love any I'm just know, basically every strong woman singer I'm pretty much can get behind. What about the chicks? Also fun fact about Gwen Stefani, I share a birthday with Gwen Stefani. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I uh, don't have many famous birthday shares. Yeah. No, I'm close to Harry Potter but we're like 6 days apart. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's cool. Oh, I love the chicks as well. That was your other question. Yes. Yeah, I was trying to think of a different genre female mm-hmm. power leads. I grew up with country music for sure. You know, small okay. town Texas yeah. girl. My dad loves country music, so I okay. love love some Any other pop too. recs for us or discussion pieces? Um, discussion pieces. Uh, Mouse Rot, the fictional band from Parks and Rec, are going to release a real life album. Wait, is that Andy? Yeah. So Andy, I've learned from previous episodes, is a controversial figure in the public eye. Chris Pratt? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so can I tell you, somebody wrote in on a comment, like, a reasons they didn't like him. Okay. Um, one of, like, attends homophobic church. You know, right. Yeah, um, yeah. But one of them was exposes himself on set. So I read this story. Oh, I don't think I read this. to Amy Poehler. And you know the scene, because it's like he shows up at her door oh, naked. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So from what I read, it was like everybody was in on it. I don't know if that makes it better or not. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah, I feel like in real life I probably wouldn't like him nearly as much as I like all of his characters. Andy Dwyer. Yeah. Well, I love Andy. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, me too. I mean, yeah. Okay, but um, th- your point was originally. Oh yes, that Mouse Rat is releasing a real life album. Okay, no, I should check that out. Yeah, I don't know is when he it's the coming out. Or is he just in it? I mean, he was the singer in the show, so I'm assuming he's going to be the singer in it, too. All right. Um, What else? Lucy Dacus, who is like a very like indie artist, but she released this song called VBS. I think Jamie posted it on his Insta story. Yeah, I did see too. that because I was like, why is Jamie talking about vacation Bible? <laughs> yes, well, it's, uh, she's kind of just like talking about like, here's my religious trauma. <laughs> I was going to say, is VBS a reference to a VBS as I know it? Yes, yeah, like the VBS that we know. And it's just kind of and her talking through like... She? Former Christian... No, no, no. At the world kind of Well, thing? I mean, I, her... None of her music's like Christian in the okay. slightest, but I mean she's more like indie, All right. pop rock as well. Compared to somebody, oh jeez, I don't know. Elliot Smith, female. Do you remember Elliot Smith? No. He was like the indie icon. I, okay. Elliot Smith broke out, or at least in my world, when he did a song on Goodwill Hunting. Mm. I'm in love with a girl through the eyes of. No, I'm in oh. love with the world through the eyes of a girl. Okay. The morning after. I don't know if you heard that song. Okay, I bet I've heard the song, yes. Um, she's. I mean, I would say she might be in the same realm as Phoebe Bridgers. I don't know if you're familiar mm, with Yeah, we better just quit while we're ahead. Okay, okay. <laughs> I barely know the mainstream people. I'm not going to know any of these That's people. That's fair. But yeah, it was, it's a really good song. Just kind of her t- literally just like talking right. about a summer at VBS and like the trauma that she has from that. So. so you have a, that's interesting for us just because exactly. I bet I would like reading the lyrics even. If I yes. Didn't like the yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Oh, very good. Yes. What else you got on there, Brie? This is fun. Taylor yes. doesn't usually prompt me. Yes. These, that, those are my, my more fun. Lighthearted. Lighthearted music things. Um, I wanted to do some sports. You always talk about the NBA. Oh, yeah. Um, well, in the WNBA, give a shout out. Um, 
the player Brianna Stewart on Seattle Storm mm-hmm. played at UConn. Yeah. First round draft pick in 2016. Arguably the best. Yeah. Um, she is the first or the fastest player to reach 2,500 points and 1,000 rebounds I'm in the WNBA um, in she 124 a, games. She's reached 2,500. She might be the best points. ever. Yeah. We'll see. She's fantastic. She's Love sharing a name with her, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Here's another thing. I was thinking about creating a Twitter poll of like who is the single most dominant athlete in their sport. And I think you, oh, could, yeah. you could put Brianna Stewart on that yeah. list. I mean, her, her career needs to develop. But here's who I had. Okay. I think you have Tiger Woods for his thing in the 90s. Okay. Muhammad Ali. Sure. Michael Jordan. Floyd Mayweather. But then, you know who I think maybe wins that list? Simone Biles. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Oh, she's in the news. Yeah. Did too. you see her, like, first time ever quadruple back yes. foot twist um, whatever yeah. vault thing? I'm in awe of her. She um, Also, Serena Williams. I would say she's up there as well. Oh, the tennis. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she's, she's for sure. But, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Simone Biles is just like... That's what I was just thinking about yesterday when I saw like her. She landed. I don't remember the name of the move, but some. Move, what do you call like, her? What did so call? Miles. Oh no, I called her Simone Biles. Sorry, oh. I just said it really fast. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if there's like insert lingo for true fans. No, oh no, I don't think so. But yeah, I'm just in awe of her. Yeah, another. But those are all good. Greatest ones. of all time for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you brought up the Brianna Stewart thing. Yeah. Um, the and WNBA always confused me because they have a different season. Right. Like I, there is there a championship in the the fall? Is that what it is? I think that's right. Yeah, they're not the same as the NBA. Right. NBA playoffs started. Do you follow it all? The NBA. Yeah. Yeah, some, not nearly as Mavericks much as I would game. like to. Yes. I think there's going to be some parody in the West this year. Okay. Yeah, um, I'm interested to see that. I try to keep up, but just not nearly as much as I do with college sports. Okay. Bree, my turn. Okay. Here's a question. Since I have a social worker on the show, my question is this. This is going to sound mean. I'm just getting it out there, and then we can walk it back. Okay. My question is, is the word trauma overused? And this is more linguistic than it is me challenging people's experiences. Okay. But, like, I feel like I hear trauma more and more and more. Okay. And I, I was, I was, so I thought about how did my definition of, of trauma get informed? And I think it was the trauma room in the ER mm-hmm. was a very specific kind of worst case scenario Sure. Physical thing. Mm-hmm. And then my second definition of trauma would have been PTSD. Yes. Which I first learned about through veterans, primarily um, Vietnam veterans. Right. Okay. So in the one case, you have physical damage, which if it doesn't get treated immediately, you're going to die. And even if you do get treated, you probably die. Yes. Then my second is a an emotional cognate, which is you had shrapnel, other things, saw horrific things, there are triggers all around you that set you off. Um, so I think just in my head, I had trauma reserved for like a really severe kind of thing, but I feel like it gets used very broadly. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me about the word trauma? I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> this is very exciting. Okay. Because my um, capstone presentation for social work was on encouraging trauma-sensitive congregations. Oh, well, how about that? Yeah. Well, we didn't plan this. We didn't even plan this. Okay. <laughs> this is kind of like my whole thing. Well, this is like me opening the door on your way out for you to tell us. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, obviously, I am still nowhere near to an expert on trauma sensitivity, but that is something that I have become more and more passionate about. And like, I think the majority of the world would would define trauma in the same way that you just did. Like, I think most people still just think of medical trauma and PTSD for veterans. But trauma can be so many other things. And then there 
are kind of like two different types of trauma. Mm -hmm. And one, like the main um, definition that we normally think of is what you just described, like very serious physical injuries or um, like traumatic deaths or things like that that you're close to. But then there are other traumas that are like less traumatic injuries or emotional abuse, things like that. But the thing like that is most important, I think, to keep in mind with trauma is that it's more about how every single person uniquely responds to the experience um, of, trauma. Of, of trauma, of these various kinds of traumas, okay. um, instead somebody... of like only categorizing it by the event. Does okay. that make sense? And, and I'm going to sound like the bad guy. And I always am in the conversations with Taylor, too. <laughs> but I think that, like, I is, I was a marketing major. So I, I like, okay. want messaging to be clear. And I want distinctions for okay. experiences. So my intention in this is not to dim, to diminish anybody's pain. Sure. But, like, I think there's a difference between... I had a boss I really didn't like in a workplace that I had to be in for a couple of years. Okay. And I had shrapnel blown by my head. And I watched people get burned alive. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. Those are different types of traumas. But that's that's why I'm emphasizing what matters is the way that each person responds to things. And that every every single one of us, like, we live in a culture that, like, tells us to, you know, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps mm-hmm. and, like, tough it out and rub some, rub some dirt in it. Mm-hmm. But not everyone's, not everyone emotionally responds the same. And, like, the book that I can most highly recommend is The Body Keeps the Score. Oh, my by Vessel van der Kolk, um, just talking about how our bodies hold our trauma. I quoted it a couple of weeks ago. <gasps> you maybe weren't there because you've been on a marriage tour. <laughs> a marriage tour. Not that you're getting married every weekend, <laughs> but that you have weddings every weekend. Uh, yes, bachelorette party past two, two weekends, yes. Um, well, okay, here's my concern. At this. I was there. I don't know. Okay, anyways, go ahead. <laughs> maybe maybe you were there that yeah. week. I don't know. So I, I'm, and maybe this is a lost cause, but I am always, I'm a, this is actually on my list for later, a, sh- a shmarmy moderate. <laughs> and I'm wanting people to get in the same room and talk. And yeah. this is not fair. And I'm I'll, fine. I'll blame the the rug and tug conservatives on this one. Okay. But I think when people talk about trauma and they are crippled by their trauma, and I'm not denying that they are, mm-hmm. but their trauma was not life threatening, and it was like an emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. That people hear that and they're like, oh, they roll their eyes. Like trauma, you trauma. So why don't we have different words for these things? Well, I think we have different categories of trauma, like what I was just talking about. Um, but like we don't, nobody's going to sit down and say, here's the different categories for trauma. Which sure. one are you? I'm just going to use the word trauma and then people will think too. Like in, in what realm do you feel like it is really important? Like just like in general life, it's important to have those different words for trauma? Well, I think that this is probably in the larger, you know, so as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong. People use the word snowflake to describe <laughs> an individual who thinks they're very unique and special, right? That's like each snowflake's individual, right? And it's right. usually used by conservative people mm-hmm. thrown at liberals, right? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah, usually. I think that it's like the 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 proliferated use of trauma probably adds to this conception. Is like, yeah, oh, you're very sensitive. I'm not saying that people are are sensitive. I'm sure. Saying I just think. This is a small step we could make in getting the world on the same page. Yeah. No, that definitely makes sense. But I think, I guess, in a lot of ways, people that are willing to just call people snowflakes from that point of view probably don't have an open mind to what it looks like to embrace 
treating trauma and recognizing trauma anyway. Um, and so my priority is always the people that have actually experienced trauma and like getting them help and helping them recognize what they've been through and how to identify that and get help. So do this for me. And I, I mean, obviously you're a social worker, not a scientist, but like is the thing that, and I'm making the example of the person who's repeatedly kind of subjectively abused in like a mm-hmm. work relationship Sure. is like, is it that the brain chemistry is the same? And what happens to us? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, one of the ways that it's often, um, like, the phrase flipping your lid is, like, kind of exactly what happens with your brain. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, repeatedly, your frontal lobe, like, opens whenever you're in stress Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And But in reality, we, like, we want it closed and we want it to be, like, secure. And, like, whenever we are, like, calm and in a safe environment, like, we're able to keep it, like, closed per se i'm Mm -hmm. doing a demonstration with my hand that's not going to help on a podcast but um whenever we're in stress whenever like um our nervous system um like fight or flight or freeze mode is activated um repeatedly then like literally like your brain chemistry is like redone and so it's like your frontal lobe is like messed with over and over which is like one of our main capabilities that makes us like human beings and able like developed human beings um to like make calm decisions and think ahead and like Mm. all of these things. So whenever you are repeatedly under stress and under trauma, no matter what kind of trauma it is, like that's what happens to you. So the real mature, no, that's a bad word. The people who have done the work Mm -hmm. have learned how to stay in that healthy part of the brain in those situations. Yes. Huh. I'm going to do that. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to work on that. Yeah. I think we all have work to do for sure. But yeah, that is a very simplified way of putting it well Brie if you get to be the professor of social work and the highest power in the world oh yeah <laughs> my one suggestion is you create a language system of more nuance within the trauma field okay that would be my suggestion all right we'll see what happens we'll see what happens with that <laughs> Brie um did you see Baylor's LGBTQ statement this week I did what did you think you get to be honest Okay. Well, I get to be honest. Um, well, you took a deep breath. So I yeah, I did. I did take a deep measuring breath. Measuring words or whatever. Yeah. Um, I am hopeful okay. that they are even willing to make a statement uh-huh. and that they recognize like one of the main like big quotes or like kind of big pieces of data that they put with this statement is just recognizing um, how many... Um, people that are in the LGBTQ plus community um, struggle with suicidal ideation or commit or um, die, die by suicide. About, right? Yes. Okay. Um, so so they admitted that. yes. Okay. Um, so at the very least, recognizing that, and hopefully in the future, recognizing the part that, um, particularly Christianity culture plays in contributing to um, this struggle um for people not with their sexual identity but with um acceptance from people around them um yeah i think that's just a hopeful thing to at the very least like recognize that and make a statement about that however in practice i don't think much is going to change right i don't think so either yeah i um have seen of course a lot of criticism of it from both sides yes Uh, same yeah I I mean, first of all, it's probably helpful we 
both acknowledge we're not queer. Mm-hmm. So we don't wear this thing the same. But yeah, absolutely. Um, I am probably in the like, oh, you not like you didn't crush this, but like, okay, like mm-hmm. if you want change, systemic change happens this way. Yeah, you need to allow for a baby step. Mm-hmm. But I wonder too if it is also discouraging for queer folks because oh. it immediately yes. <laughs> also says what it's not. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's always t- plenty of caveats <laughs> included, um, unfortunately. And that's the thing is I recognize that change is slow. And I think we've seen that with, you know, um, this is another thing we were ta- I was going to bring up, but um, tomorrow is the one year anniversary of George Floyd's death. And naturally, you know, Baylor had a lot of responses to that last summer and had like a very multi-step plan about anti-racist practices. Um, But yeah, once again, I think that's another area that it's like, this is too slow, (laughs) too slow of change. And what else, what is really happening here and hopeful for the change to happen because at the very least, like they're admitting something you know, but at, at the same time, there's so much work to be done. Yeah. Um, well, I probably fall into the, you know, I'm such a essentialist pragmatist that like, yeah. this has got to happen if there can be what I want eventually. Yeah. So I'm grateful for it. Yeah. It's and a I tough know, tension to hold. I'm not like trying to vouch for their amazing character or something, but I know yeah. that the regents probably were wringing their hands for a year on this trying to figure out how mm-hmm. to do it and knew they were going to get what they get. Like Robert Jeffers, did you see what he wrote? He wrote <laughs> in which he told people not to send their kids to Baylor because yeah. of the infidels working in the religion department who had turned them against the church. I just... It's a different world. It is a different world. It's a different world. So, anyways. <laughs> I can't... I don't even... I can't even engage, honestly, with things like that, with people like that. I don't have the energy for that. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, let's go to what you brought up then. One year. Yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah. Gosh, that was Memorial Day weekend last year, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I will say this. I am grateful that the trial has concluded before this date. Yeah, I am as well. I think there's not there's not closure nor catharsis, but sure. I think if this is lingering, that would make this more painful than it already seems like it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What a year, though. What a year. Yeah. Yeah, so much to reflect on. Yeah, and during COVID, mm-hmm. which we all already had trauma. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Collective trauma is a very important thing to to uh, recognize with COVID and uh, collective racial trauma, I think, is like one of the most important things for people to recognize. Right now, because of where we are, just in general, because of our country's history. Uh, in general I mean I think in the past year for sure I think like racial trauma people have recognized that more and more just because of re- recognizing so many things more and more um, with our our country's history but yeah I would say in general because of our country's history racial trauma is absolutely essential to recognize hmm. yeah I don't think that we'll have a lot of years like 2020 I hope we don't yeah. in my lifetime right in terms of two just at least for this nation. Yeah. Very large kind of culture defining things happening. Mm-hmm. So. Well, Brie, I, while I have you here, I have a specific question for you. 
Okay. <laughs> so I'm trying to remember who I was talking to about this. But I am, again, calling myself the shmarmy moderate. <laughs> okay. And I was thinking about why I'm this way. And it's okay. the pragmatism. It's all the thing. But I think at a deeper level, it is that I'm a three. Yeah. And I want to be liked and I want the peace and I want action to be taken and like feelings slow that down all that stuff which i'm admitting um but i also think that at a like i've been thinking a lot about this um this quote that i wrote about in the newsletter that the the answer to burnout isn't time off it's wholeheartedness mm. and then somebody when i sent that out last week sent me a section from parker palmer's let your life speak where he says that um burnout happens when we try and give what we don't have to give okay yeah and i think that for me like argumentative moments, um, like, and I'm not saying these, these are not statements with value judgments. I'm just mm -hmm. trying to caricature them in a way that I can make sense of myself. They take life off of me. Oh, sorry. That's Jameson. I will decline that. Um, anyhow, um, they take life from, like, I don't have the energy to engage in a way that I even feel called to because it's like, I don't, I can't, you know? Yeah. Um, so... I was thinking, though, I bet for, like, a one, mm -hmm. like, they get energy from some of that stuff. And maybe that's a bad analogy, but the point being is, I think, at our most basic level, our personalities predispose us to a kind of response where we feel... Like, I will say this. One of the most invigorating things about race I saw all of this last year was... Um, there are many ways to fight racism and it was being very general. It's like, you can dance, you can write, you can mm. paint. You're like, Oh, okay. Like I just felt this flood of relief. Like yeah. I'm not going to be the person up there with a megaphone. Cause I don't know enough and I don't, but like at most fundamentally it takes energy for me that I don't feel like I have. Yeah. Cause I don't feel like I'm offering a gift there, but I could do these other things. So I was wondering as a one, if you did feel like somebody who has closer proximity to justice, if you do feel like you get energy from those moments. Hmm. Yeah, I think there are definitely some moments where I yeah, I feel like I kind of come alive like with the opportunity to put into practice like all of these things that I have thought through so so carefully and intentionally like because I care so much about orthodoxy in some you know not as i think that talking about a word that's overused i think orthodoxy is overused but that's that's a whole other you know what brie though <laughs> we've often reflected on your tweet you retweeted about or just because it's orthodoxy doesn't mean it's oppression oh yes yeah yeah, yeah absolutely okay, keep going yes um yeah so i care so deeply about kind of forming my right thoughts you know per se but i think that they are constantly in a mutual um, reciprocity with right practice and so like I think it's important to to yeah look at how right practice isn't necessarily just those big moments I think I I do often get life from those like big moments and opportunities to like um yeah I guess really enact justice but I think that's important what you were just talking about that like it's not just the big moments. I think that's something I need to be reminded of as a one, that it is like in the mundane, that that's just a sacred to like in your writing, in your dancing, and in, in your praying, in your small conversations, that those are just as important and just as justice oriented that everything can be, you know? Um, hmm. Yeah. That's helpful. 
Okay. Well, that's my list. Do you have stuff left on yours? Mm, well, I, yeah, everything else on mine is pretty serious as well. But we can do it. We're serious. Bunch. Okay, I'll do. I'll start out with something fun, real quick. I'm gonna give a shout out. They're not gonna listen, but I'll tell them. I'll, I gave. I gave them a shout out to my granny and granddad. Okay. It is their 69th wedding anniversary oh, today. Oh, that's so sweet. Yes, I need to call them later, but just thinking so about them. Did you say 69? 69 years of marriage. I, I in my head, <laughs> older folks, I give them a few years, but I think people usually get married at 20. Yeah. So they're like 89 and 90? 92 and 88. And that's your grandparents? Those are my grandparents. Hot dog. Yeah. They're wow. still going strong. Yes. That's really cool. And we um, gathered as a family and got them a reservation at um, Indian Lodge out in West Texas in Fort Davis. Okay. That's where they went on their honeymoon. And that's oh. where they've gone like almost every year since. So that's their is, favorite place in the world. This is an ageist question coming their way. Okay. <laughs> they both can, can drive okay and get Yeah. Up. Yeah. For wow. the most part. 92 and still doing it big. Yeah. That's great. Yes. This is my, yeah, my granddad, he was a Baptist preacher until. Oh, yeah. I remember you talking yeah, about Yeah. I mean. He, of the Southern kind or just the Baptist kind? Mostly the Texas Baptist kind. Okay. So. I mean, he was, I mean, he was definitely of the Southern kind until the split. No, I and, know we've talked about this, but yeah. he's approves of you then with your ministry. He does. He does. Great. Which, for which I am very grateful. Yes. Yeah. Now, he was very outspoken during the SBC sequence. All right. Because mostly just because he's like anti-fundamentalism you know so that's kind of gotta feel good to feel like you got a grandparent on your side <laughs> i know been there for a long time yeah it does it does cool. i'm grateful for that but yes happy anniversary to granny and granddad now are they um <laughs> are they child's grandma and grandpa or are they maternal they're maternal okay yes yeah <laughs> akins is their last name the akins yes so just fun fun little shout out today yeah. to them um i the other serious thing i'm just really mulling over all of the greg abbott bills and things that are being discussed and signed well, which one exactly that's the thing is that it's like one after another Isn't that is overwhelming one, like to me you can't have an abortion after six weeks yes um i it, don't think that one will stand up in court gosh i hope not in fact when they well i'm overwhelmed I say by this. it one um who was the last nominee oh when amy baron cohen barrett whatever mm -hmm. got nominated it, like Mississippi right away, all these southern states did yeah. like abortion things. It seemed to me from my judicial friends that because they know to go to the Supreme Court to yeah. see if we can overturn Roe v. Wade. So I would assume that's an attempt to do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but I'm also, just, there's, it's just so overwhelming. Hasn't there me. been an LGBTQ one this week too? Oh, I haven't seen that. Or maybe that was a different state. Well, I mean, he also talked to, you know, signed the one. Um, that doesn't that requires teachers to not talk about racism like in the modern sense oh i think like wasn't there a critical race theory or something yes anti-critical race theory oh wow um do and you think, do you think these are um pandering to a base or do you think these are oh absolutely convictions for him <laughs> um i guess maybe they are also convictions but they are also pandering to a base i always wonder with politics could be both They're like do they really care about both and are they just like <sighs> yeah i don't know but it's particularly the fetal heartbeat bill is what it's called has just been like really overwhelming That's to me. That's the six week one. Yes. Mm. And the thing is, okay, so I read, this is, can I go on a, a small tangent? Oh yeah, you can. Okay. So I have screenshots from some of these pages that like 
just really like wrecked my world that I read last summer and Shameless by Nadia Bowles Weber. Oh, I read that last summer too. Yes, fun. Um, so she had like a whole little section on how the title How Abortion Got on the Evangelical Political Agenda, a history. Oh, I remember reading this. It's fascinating. Yes, it really is because I think there's like in evangelical world, we're like, oh yes, obviously Christians have always been anti-abortion. And like she just like lays it out just so like simply and well done about like no this is very very recent and in reality it was actually established like based on very racist (laughs) um yeah like and wasn't it the 70s yes yeah Yeah. like even in like she's there is an article in 1968 like written by uh like a super famous conservative dts Dallas Theological Seminary professor talking about like life begins at birth not conception like that was like a super prominent view in 1968 and then um, in let's see here uh, 1969 several black families in Mississippi filed suit against private Christian schools that had excluded black students from enrolling and then um, so nine years before the suit against racist admission policies Uh, i'm trying to give give a good summary because it's like four pages of stuff but anyways just yeah like in response to black families wanting to like not be excluded from christian schools it kind of that's what transformed into this like anti-abortion yeah it's just it's fascinating history derived out of racism yes (laughs) well par for the course and and then only like 50 years ago is really whenever it actually like came to be. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that did surprise me when I read it. Yeah, I did not know that. Yes, it's just something to think about, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, when's the next governor election? Twenty twenty two. Oh, it is. Yes. Okay. And just I think like just yesterday, Beto has announced that he's considering running. So this would be though not for this would be a year from November. Mm-hmm. This is like a year and a half away. Yeah. Okay. Well, yes. Guess, uh, well, he's, maybe he's looking to see what old Matt McConaughey does. Oh, I forgot about that. That's so true. I forgot that he he's was that a rumor or was that like actually like him saying like yeah I'd consider it. I don't know. I okay. mean, he he does his his public presence right. his last two years has felt very Texas invested politically minded. So true. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know that he's officially said anywhere. Yeah, I'm thinking about running. Yeah. Okay. So I remember seeing. I will that. say this: I think Matthew McConaughey could maybe beat Greg Abbott. I'm not sure if Beto can. So <sighs> yeah, is Beto no longer a congressperson? Because I thought I saw him interviewed recently. It was like former right. House member. I didn't realize he wasn't. Did he just not rerun? Right, because whenever he ran, he ran for senator. Oh, he you give up your seat? I think so. Yeah. Okay, that would make sense. Right. So he's just been. I mean, he's just done a lot of activism work. I mean, he did a lot of. Um, polling and you know like advocacy work and just yeah general stuff during the election um for local and state and national you know hmm. election stuff but and then he did so much during the winter storms i don't know if you saw yeah, that like he was that. driving all around the state and i remember i like tuned in he was in marlin um, like interviewing some people and I was like watching his Facebook live and like everyone was just like please run for governor please run for governor and he was like oh no I'm not going to but like just yesterday he said he's considering it now well so. I will say this um, I, I maybe don't follow politicians as much as I should uh, have an opinion but he does seem like along the ones I know to mm-hmm. be like the most 
immersed. I think yeah. I can remember. So for better or worse, he's out there all the time. Yeah, right. I think he's definitely like a man of the people, as they would say, which I appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Bree. Yes. Guess what time it is. Is it quiz time? It's time for our quiz. Okay. So this I'm is what so we're going nervous. to do. Why are you nervous? <laughs> this is the because, best part of the show. Okay, I hear you. But as a one, having a quiz that I couldn't prepare oh, for, I'm Josh, toss you a that's overwhelming to and me. And if this goes bad, it's my fault, not yours, because it involves me whistling. Okay. Okay, I'm going to whistle Disney songs. Oh my gosh. Okay, good. And you have to guess them. Okay, I well, hope. Well, it won't be as easy as you think, because I'm a bad whistler sometimes. Okay. But I'm going to also hold the microphone away from my face, because it, I think it'll sound bad if it's close. Okay? Okay. You ready? All right. I have 11, because there's one I don't know if I can actually whistle. In case okay, you I'm can't nervous. Get... All right, ready? <laughs> no that's like in the lion king yes okay it's i was when, like it's not like one of the songs no no per no, no, se, no it's, but it's um, in the lion king okay. it's when rafiki talks to him yeah and he's like yeah, yeah yeah contemplating the comeback okay cool I wasn't sure if this was like actual song, like sing-along songs. or Well, just like... most of them are. That one's just my okay, favorite. Okay, but yeah, I knew it was Lion King. You knew it was Lion King. Okay, <laughs> one for one. Ready? Under the Sea. The yeah, Little Mermaid. Okay. All right. <laughs> Ready? Ready. When You Wish Upon a Star. Yes. Okay, ready? A Whole New World. Aladdin. <laughs> yeah. All right. This one's a little trickier. You're doing great. Give me a time to get a few notes in, even if you know it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, of course, yes. Be our guest. Yes. Okay. Beauty and the Beast is my favorite. <laughs> All right. Oh, Sleeping Beauty. Yep. No. Okay. Uh, once Upon a Dream. This, yeah. this is a hard one. This is my favorite. Okay. The let me get through the first couple notes because they're hard. They're okay. Okay, you got a guess. No, I don't think so. At first, I thought it was You've Got a Friend in Me, but I don't oh, think so. Oh, yeah, I thought about that. No, okay, I didn't. Um, do you ever see Robin Hood? Oh, yes. Every little town. <laughs> do, 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 wow, do, yes. Do, so sorry. I love Robin Hood. And down. <laughs> That's a good I one. I should have done um, Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest. Yeah. <laughs> but. It's that's hard too because it's fast. Like, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. I haven't watched that in so long. I need to watch that again. Okay. Give up. I probably don't whistle that one very good either. That <laughs> was kind of hard. To, was that Cinderella? Uh, well, yeah, I think a dream is a wish. Yes, 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 a dream is a wish. Yes. Okay, another one. Bare necessities. Yes, very good. Okay. <laughs> All right, this is the one I don't think you can whistle. Obviously, I couldn't whistle Robin either. Okay.
Oh, keep going. <laughs> I can't get the high notes. Okay. Let it go. Oh, it was let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Sorry. That one was, right, I, I do love let it go. I don't think I do that one. Okay, bonus Ready? one. Okay. Oh, I already did I was that like, one. wait, you already did a whole new world. <laughs> oh, shoot. Um, okay. I'm not good at whistling. I couldn't. I can't give one to you. Okay, so. let me go. I'll do a different one. You know that one? Oh, another Aladdin. Okay. Bye-bye. Yes. <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. Okay, Brie, that you was are fun. the big winner Thank of you so Disney much. Whistle Trivia. Wow. If you could whistle me a Disney song, which one you have whistled me? Um, I would have done something for Mary Poppins, for sure. Oh, good one. Because that's my other you know all-time like? favorite. Uh, okay, I'll do some Mary Poppins for you as a bonus. Okay, okay. yay. Um, <laughs> so good. Spoonful of sugar. Yep. What else is on there? Feed the oh. birds. Uh is that Tuggins? Tuggins from the bank at the end? Oh yes, that one. Tuppins. Tuppins. <laughs> Tuppins. I like that one. But yeah, uh, feed the birds is a great one. A kite up you can to sing to the highest heights. I didn't know you were a singer. I don't. Uh, yeah, Bring I grew you, up singing. I you did. should uh, get on stage sometimes with Brother Jameson. And... Oh, you think so? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Maybe one time when I return. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Bree, guess what time it is. I don't know now. Time for a word from our sponsor. Oh, that's so true. How exciting. Bree, summer is almost here. And you know what that means? What? Kids are going to be out of school and driving mm-hmm. their parents nuts. Because what are they going to do? Send them to camps all summer? Well, maybe. But maybe one of the places you can send your kids is a zoo camp. Or if you're an adult without any children and you just want a beautiful place to walk around and feel like you've escaped Waco, Texas, boy, do I have a great suggestion for you. You should check out the Waco Zoo over on 1701 North 4th Street. Give them a call at 254-750-8400 to get zoo rates, including a season pass, which is a very affordable, like, $65 for a family, <laughs> which means you can get um, also, like, guest passes. So if you got friends coming through town and you want to show them Waco's best, you can take them to Waco Zoo. Have you been? Oh, my goodness. I love Cameron Park Zoo. Do you go there often? I go there as much as I can, honestly. Well, it's beautiful. And um, they do a really good job. I, one of the very first things Lindsay and I did, I was scouting Truett. I wasn't even accepted. We took a trip here, and we paid $5 each to go to the zoo. Yes. And boy, were we blown away. Worth it. For only however many people live in Waco, I'd put that up against the San Diego Zoo, the New York Zoo. Maybe not those. But, yes. <laughs> but still, it'll surpass your... I've been mm-hmm. to the Dallas Zoo, and it's every bit as good. It may be better. I think I would agree with that. Yeah. So. I love the Cameron Park Zoo. What's the your... otter slide. Oh, the otter slide. Is, I'm Sadly, it's. I think it's still closed because of COVID. Yeah, it's, yeah. But I have gone through the otter slide as an adult, and I have zero regrets What's about your that. favorite um, animal exhibit there? Hmm. I mean, I do deeply love otters, so the okay. otters are up there. Jack and Dora? <laughs> yes. Well. And, um, I mean, one of the things that I love is just, like, all of the Texas-specific animals that they have and like that's yeah, like the, the main exhibit the Bra- brazos valley yes. exhibit there the browser that there's just that's really cool so many cool animals that are native well to the Texas herpetorium that is very impressive should learn too. about 
Yes. I'm like, wow, they got snakes from all over the world. That's so true. Well, you know what I, my favorite exhibit is? What? It's the coyotes. Mm. You want to know why? Yes. Why? Because the coyotes' names, incidentally, completely independent of the carnies, are Roy and Lily. Are they really? Isn't that weird? I didn't know that. Yeah. And they've been that way for years. I love like that. Around the time our kids were born, I think they were stalking us. Wow. They must have You know been. what? I do know this. Diane Sawyer, our OGBYN. Mm-hmm. Our first one, we had to switch to Mark Reister after because Diane Sawyer retired. Not okay. to be confused with the television stuff. Not to be confused. But the with Sawyers Diane were big donors to the zoo. I wonder after she delivered Roy she Lily, said, she's like, "These are important babies. We need to name the coyotes, and we're <laughs> going to give a big donation, and we're going to stipulate that they name the coyotes after these babies I just delivered their that siblings." Is the only plausible. I just made that connection, Brie. And but, uh, yeah, this is, this is going along. One more quick exhibit. The orangutans love them. Oh, I yeah. went to Razak's first birthday party. It was Lego themed a couple years ago. Yes. Absolutely great. Yes, the orangutans are always good entertainment. Yes, be on the lookout for birthday parties for so, their animals too. 254 75 <laughs> or 750-8400. 254-750-8400. And go visit. And then when you're done, you can just walk on down to the Cameron Park. Yes. Beautiful place. And we're back. Bree. Josh. So this is what I want to talk about our main conversation today. Mm-hmm. You are a graduate of the Baylor School of Social Work. Yes. You're also a graduate of the George W. Truett Theological Seminary. That is true. So um, since we do uh, brush shoulders with religion in this podcast often, I was wondering if, since you and I both have this shared experience, if we could talk about the value of a seminary education or lack thereof, if you want to go that way. <laughs> Yeah, I think it it can be both. So the first comment I want to make is I remember um, when I was getting ready to leave for semin- seminary, um, I was talking to a friend, and they were contemplating it. And they said, yeah, I told somebody, like, seminary, you mean cemetery? <laughs> like where your faith goes to die? <laughs> and I will acknowledge there's an element of that, right? Mm-hmm. You are exposed to thoughts that are challenging, mm-hmm. historical critical methods. Um, that uh, you know can can really put taxing if you grew up evangelical. Yeah. Um, but did you? Would you do it again? Would I do it again? Yeah. Sure. Well, that wasn't very convincing. <laughs> I feel like that's. I tend to do that with like point blank questions like that. I feel like there's there's always caveats to be had. But um, I mean, I loved my experience. Uh-huh. Grateful for my experience. I think. I would love to experience a different seminary too, because yeah. I think that there are just so many fascinating places to across the nation to to learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I absolutely loved my experience and especially loved my dual degree. Yeah, I um, would do it again as well. Yeah, I would have to not know everything I know now, and I don't mm. mean that as in um, right. I know too much to go to seminary. I mean like. It was so much fun because I was learning. Yes. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, seminary education isn't perfect. I remember talking to the (laughs) dean, Dr. Todd Still. He wasn't the dean then. He said the strength of the seminary curriculum is its breadth. The um, limitation of the seminary curriculum is its breadth. So in some sense, it is a mile wide and an inch deep. I only had nine credit hours of elective in which I was really able to get knee deep into things. But I thought it was great. Um, I would do it again. I too would like to see other parts of the thinking world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also thought true it was really valuable, and I was given a vantage point that I don't think I would have otherwise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what about the thought that um, 
you don't feel like or you do feel like it gave you enough practical experience mm. well and how many credits did you do for a dual degree i probably shouldn't know that i don't like 60 know. in the seminary i think because i think msw is like 30 some isn't it right i once again these are things that i should know but it's like i've just i finished and turned my brain off and i don't yeah. remember anything oh, else i get but, it um but yeah, I would have loved more electives within the seminary, but like, yeah, all of my electives went toward my MSW, you know, just to be mm-hmm. able to pull it off in the amount of time. Yeah, exactly. What was a class in seminary that was really meaningful for you? Mm, so many, but I feel, I mean, I feel like so many of them were meaningful for different reasons, of course. Well, tell me about some. Um, I mean, I think about script one with Dr. Non and okay. just how so much of my understanding of the Old Testament was just was it? It was hard, wasn't it? Everybody said the class. Yeah. Said, yeah. What, what, in what way was it hard? Because there are different kinds of hard. Yes. I mean, it was hard in just that we had a quiz every class and it was a very hard, like tiny detail kind of quiz, like from like verses of the Old Testament that it's just like random questions. And it's like, I do was not the understanding remember. with those quizzes that, yeah, you're going to get some wrong or was it like, yes. Yeah. Okay. For sure. So like, while that may be difficult and while like that was absolutely a class that I needed to be prepared for and study for. Um, and like the final was rolling. I don't remember how many cited die like 20 something sided die or something to like that. To get a question? <laughs> to get a question. What was your question? Oh, my question was about David. Everybody's question. And I David. loved it because I just got David to like, dra- just got to drag David for like 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> was it about David and Bathsheba or not? Um, I mean, I'm sure I like included that, but it was yeah. just like about David in general. So um, scriptures two or one? One. Yes. Okay. So that goes through the beginning of the prophets, the wisdom literature. Is that right? Because um, I just remember the Pentateuch took up so much of our time right yeah same but i'm trying to remember where it where it goes through well at least second samuel if you had david's story yeah something like that so yeah i mean just totally rethinking creation and i mean the creation stories in particular and that was the first time that i learned like oh adam is not necessarily male as we know it but adam is just human and Mm -hmm. like so much of our understanding is like so much like male and female the literal interpretation of everything but like there's so much room for mystery and, and creativity in it all um and just uh, that's we read Robert Alter's book in that class too, yeah. and I absolutely loved it. The Art of Biblical Narrative. Yeah, that was a big had a impa- big impact on me too. Yeah, I think that book in particular was helpful. One of the really valuable things I got from seminary that I would say helped save my faith was mm-hmm. this question of how was the original audience re- receiving and reading this? Yes, which can I think take some of the pressure off that evangelicals put on the text mm-hmm. if it wasn't there originally. Yes. Right? Like, they, nobody in the audience was thinking that Adam was a liberal person. Mm-hmm. Everybody was hearing human or earth. or And the, the relationship between those words, like mm-hmm. the, the play, the literary play. Yes. Um, and so, but all the way up through the Gospels and the different genres within the Gospels, or I should say the different literary categories, maybe. Um, but, and then certainly the prophets, too, all those things. Yeah. Um, what other classes were formative? Um, let's see here. I think... I mean, I really did, yeah, just love all of my scriptures classes because I think 
that just yeah totally expanded my mind in so many ways um how would you have described your the way you held faith coming into seminary because you went to baylor right i went to baylor so you had heritage you had scriptures was your undergrad psychology okay but i had minors in religion and poverty studies and social justice so you weren't a blank slate by any means no no yeah uh so were you an evangelical when you came in (laughs) um I feel like I had definitely already started a deconstruction process when I started seminary. So none of that stuff like rattled you? No, not really. Um, Because, yeah, I feel like I had definitely already really started working through a lot of things. And then seminary really kind of helped me piece it more back together um, rather than just like, yeah, Yeah. break me all apart. (laughs) Is there, you know, everybody talks about, and I alluded to in the intro, about how seminary pulls you apart. Yeah. Were there tools you were given that you feel like have served you well and help you keep faith? Yeah. I mean, I think Truett does a good job of like really beautifully integrating like thorough study and like, you know, factual kind of intelligence based. I don't know how to say that, but just like study and also spiritual development and like the importance of relationship um, and community. So I feel like it doesn't have to be, you know, like the either or. And I appreciate that about Truett for sure. And especially thinking about just how wonderful many of the professors are and that like I received pastoral care from them um, and received wisdom from them and not just knowledge, you know. So I think that's something that I value really deeply. Um, do you have any desire to get a PhD in anything? I do. Yeah. Would you do a social work PhD or a religion PhD? I still lean more toward practical theology. Okay. But that would be kind of the intersection. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm really interested in. My neighbor that just moved in did the THD at Duke. (gasps) Really? Wait, for real? And he, um, (laughs) he, we were talking to him and he said basically that's where he landed because he has a good bit of like research, like a research skill set. He learned and all that to do that degree. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Duke has been like a dream school for Would a long time. That'd be great. That'd be cool. But Brie, remember me knows? if you go to Duke. <laughs> okay. I will. Remember this podcast. I will remember this podcast this is the forever and ever. All right. <laughs> so maybe someday. So would you like to be a professor? I would. I would love to be a that'd professor. That'd be the top dream? Um, I don't know if it's the top dream, but it's definitely been something that I've been interested what in. What about a pastor? Yeah, that too. Would you like to be a pastor? Yes. You should apply. I should apply? Yeah. Where? Well, after you do your... <laughs> I was like, well, te- I guess technically yeah. I kind of am your, in this Your next resume job. is getting... Would you leave Texas to be a pastor? <sighs> I don't know. Do you want to stay in Texas? As of right now, probably yes. What if you got accepted to Duke? We would reevaluate maybe. Yeah. <laughs> the, one th- the one thing that's really beautiful, I think, about PhDs right now is how... Um, well, I would say, I was about to say accessible. That's probably not necessarily true. But I would say just like the online format and the online component, I think makes a lot more PhDs accessible in that way. Yeah, I agree. I would consider a demon right now if I had more money. Yeah, I would definitely, yeah, thinking about doing it online. I think up until like pretty recently, I was like, no, of course I would go in person. And I would love to do that in person. But I think... After this year, we all discovered yeah the... Uh, our, our capacity for yeah. online is way more than we knew. Exactly. Whether we like it or not. <laughs> exactly. And it still can be a rich education, I think, you know. 
Have you ever lived in Dallas? No. So this is going to be brand new. This we is should tell listeners you're going new. to Dallas to do another, like a legit pastoral associate with a salary. <laughs> this has been a legit pastoral well, associate Well, I know, but experience. we can't offer you what they're offering you <laughs> in terms of, we sure. maybe could match some of the experiences, but not the the money. Yes. So that's I am very exciting. Excited to, did you say go and tell them that what you said? Yeah, you can. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yes, I'm moving mid-July to Dallas to be a pastoral resident at Wilshire Baptist Church. So, so great. George Mason. George Mason. Who, by the way. Yes. Speaking of Beto O'Rourke, he was. Yes, he interviewed him. Yeah. How did he, how does he have that kind of clout? That's very impressive. <laughs> it was very impressive. Maybe we get I need Beto to go back and watch podcast. that. Oh, maybe so. I think he's just dying to maybe get to our I, 40 I can, listeners. Maybe I can get that connection somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Somehow. <laughs> well, Bree, is there anything else you want to say about the Truett experience for listeners? Um. Whenever you mentioned this a little while ago, I was trying to think through things. I think w- one of the things that recently I have recognized is so important is a historical understanding of the faith. And that I think in the Catholic Church and in a lot of denominations, they do a much better job of like, you know, thinking like kids that go through confirmation. A lot of that is like a historical oh, based education on yeah. like their denomination history or just Christian history. And as a Baptist, I 100% did not get that. <laughs> mm. And so that was something I treasured about um, my seminary experience it, through my text and traditions classes and through just Baptist history class um, that I actually got to be like informed of the history of the faith that I, so many things I didn't know. And particularly as a woman in ministry that I got to learn so much about that too. And that like, all of these strong and important women throughout the history of Christianity that need to be recognized, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. And Baptists maybe are the worst at <laughs> like history. Not all of us. Right? Yeah. But, right. I mean, sure. Of certainly course. There's a suspicion of the tradition, I think. Yes. That's what the Catholics do at the saints. Yeah. Right. So. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. Currently I'm reading uh, the making of biblical womanhood by Beth Allison Barr. Okay. And she does a fantastic job. It's on my list of like, just walking through history of what what has made us think that women have to be less than and, and submissive in all things, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if hearers can hear. Yeah. We are recording at my house today because I have sick children at home, and one of them just woke up with a level 10 anger. Yes. So <laughs> I'm going to tend to that. That's okay. I actually have to pick up my kids in 15 minutes. But Bree, thanks so much for pinch hitting for Taylor today. It's you an honor. You did a great job. It's a true honor. You offered some great prompts. And um, I'm excited to listen to this. (laughs) Me too. All right, friend. Thanks for being here. Thank you.